Sean and Davey making music, yo On location, bumping bass from Sketch Studio Not talking alchemy, homie, I been spitting gold So take a break, don't change the station on your radio Slumber on the tracks, you can feel what this producer do Tune in every week or two and hear just what they got for you Sean and Dave make music Hello everyone and welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. This month we're trying something a little bit different. We've got a guest artist slash producer for this episode, Stephen Kokus. Steve runs Sketch Studio out of Aston, PA, and we've worked together a few times before. My band Silly Heart recorded our EP at Sketch, though with a different engineer, and he did mix and master the Silly Heart single Future Home, as well as giving me tips on a lot of my other projects. My mixing skills are self-taught, so there have been quite a few instances over the years where I've had to hit him up and say, what is it that sounds off in this mix? How do I fix it? What's the balance like? He loves making music and particularly collaborating with people, so he doesn't ever charge me for this. Thanks, Steve. And his style is completely different from the rest of the episodes you've heard on this show, so it was really fun getting to work with him, and I think it's a refreshing change. Let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. We're here with Dave and our first guest producer, Stephen Kokus. Hello. Welcome to your own studio, Stephen. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> welcome to our show. Thank you for waking studio. me up at 10 a.m. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bartender during my day job, so this is the middle of the night for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got up and left my house earlier than I normally do during the week, if that helps at all. I feel like most musicians, 10 a.m. is pretty much the middle of the night. So. <laughs> Wouldn't go that far, but well, you working musicians, solidly still the morning. <laughs> the uh, the uh, bulk of us that are still chasing the dream, uh, ten a.m. is very early. Oh, no. I think you're uh, quick aside. Oh, I think your oh, mic is journeying. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes I got floppy mic syndrome over here. <laughs> they haven't come up with a pill yet, but uh, yeah. So we got uh, the MD four twenty ones, which uh, me and Dave are on, and Sean is on the RE twenty. For all you Ooh. audio nerds out there, Ooh, technical. Specs. So we're gonna get some. Uh, they're both great dynamic mics. Uh, How do we sound? Do we sound better than normal? It should be so. really good bass response. I use these on the toms and the recordings, which we'll hear later. <laughs> yeah, MD those mics sounded great on the toms. I, I was yeah. actually surprised at how good your toms sounded. So what's nice is being used or tuned for a long time. I worked at a local music shop. I don't know if we should. Yeah, we should, why don't we start with our history yeah, together? Yeah. We know each other because we both worked at the music store yep. in Delaware, Accent Music. We had great times. We had bad times. We'll not talk about it yeah. too much. But <laughs> no, the uh, the bad times were just. Uh, I mean, there was nothing bad with us. It was just no, the, no, uh, yeah, oh, you know, running a business is tough, especially a small business. Uh, got to see that firsthand. Um, I actually took. I don't know if you remember this. I took some lessons from you. Mm -hmm, of course. Uh, so Sean is a multi instrumentalist. He does everything, as you all know, uh, just because he plays it all on the podcast. Let me adjust this. All right. Um, but I took two weeks of clarinet, flute, uh, alto sax, and... Two weeks or two months? Uh, well, two weeks of each. Oh, I think okay. it was like two, two full each. months. Um, gotcha. And there was one more in there. Was it violin? Or, I didn't no, teach you violin. Ukulele, maybe. Maybe you Guitar or something. It's it like crash been. courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was exactly. like... Well, I, I felt like people were coming in, and I was like, I can't even get a noise out of a clarinet or something like that. I should be able to like at least test if, like, you know... It, I don't want a five-year-old to show me up if I'm going to be selling the equipment. So I'm like, <laughs> I should be able to do... This. That should just be a prerequisite. And that was like honest. way more commitment than most of the yeah. other employees showed. Yeah. So <laughs> well, on you. also, I'm a, a keyboardist by trade, and everybody else was a guitarist, so they had a leg up on me. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why I wanted to make sure I was... Getting better at the uh, oddball instruments. Not oddball, but you know. Yeah, the non-standard <laughs> ones. So, was that the last time you touched any of your wind instruments? For the most part, however, I have touched them 
probably once a year just to like see if I remembered anything and I don't. Okay. But like every once in a while I get I mean we we talk about this too. My basement is just filled with instruments that you know between bands and you know working there I always had access to you know cheaper gear that I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'll use this one day." So I I don't ever use it. My mom took violin lessons randomly, so I'd like joined her mm. for like a couple lessons cool. and then she just took off and I sucked at it and I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. You know, I, I quit like every uh, fifth grade student that has come in probably does. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's interesting because those, those instruments, I don't know, you, you, when we sat down on your couch, you were like, oh, it's great to have real musicians here. And like, I, I don't, I don't completely know what you mean by that, but I sort of know what you mean because like instruments like that, like acoustic instruments, let's say, take just a different, a, a, set of skills that you need to develop before you can get anything that sounds good right. like like piano and keyboard and the the samples that you use are are you know the the tone is not something you need to figure out right yeah with acoustic instruments the tone is such a big part of it and you know and until it, you get there it's i find that like really because useful. i'm a keyboardist i can pretty much access those sounds anyway so it gets my like my juju's going, I guess. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm like in need of an alto sax when I can get close enough. I can get like a ninety percent of what I want it to sound like through a keyboard. Right. It's never perfect, but I'm like, you know what? The uh, investment of time is is just like, you know, as you get older, you're just like absolutely. No. <laughs> and and uh, we Robert Dick was talking about this on his episode. He's been fooled by flute samples. Oh yeah. Uh, we've been fooled by everything. I'm sure. Yeah. So the other thing know. too is it's like you know I could definitely pay musicians to be in here and do stuff, but I'm like. I'm not selling music. You know, I'm one of those musicians that I just do it. Like I've, I've reached the point in my life where I just do it for fun. And you know, the audio engineering side of it, the producing side of it was just a means to an end for my songwriting. I knew early on, like in high school, I was, I, I liked the songwriting, the behind the glass side of it. Mm -hmm. So me going to, you know, the audio engineering program and learning, you know, the software was just for so I could do my own stuff. So, I mean, okay. it, it's Where great. did you study that? So I went to uh, the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Arizona. It was like a 10-month program plus like a three-month internship, give or okay. take. Uh, it was good. It was definitely a learning experience, crash course. Uh, it's just like one of those, you know, you're in there day in, day out. And on it's like four-hour classes a day, which isn't bad. But, you know, most of the students are there like 16 hours a day mm -hmm. <laughs> just enjoying it. You know, they're yeah. hanging out. Getting to use the equipment I mean, they're like, they have, like I mean. stupid stuff. Like you're excited to be in a million-dollar studio working on SSLs, which are like industry standards. I mean, I, any good record is usually on like one of like three or four consoles. And the SSL is like, you know, one of those million-dollar consoles that, you know, we got to work on. And we're, we're happy to be there wrapping cables, you know. So yeah, we're just, yeah. you know, the, all the students are in the same boat. Um, I, was, I was 18 when I went, 19. And uh, a lot of people had a ton of experience. Like when I, we we had this project in a music theory class. I don't know why it was theory, but we had this project where we had a ten thousand dollar budget and we got to build a studio. Um, and one of the things I bought was a twelve channel mixer. And I'm thinking, oh, or twelve track mixer is how they worded it. I was like, oh, twelve tracks. That means I can put twelve tracks on my CDs. Like each each channel is all, <laughs> its own song. And like it never dawned on me like multi track recording is a thing. Like I had no idea. So you know, learning in the school was I was step one. I mean, I had some music background, but you know, playing piano and recording are just two different worlds. Absolutely. Well, uh, luckily, yeah. one plays really well into the other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you the keyboard is such a good interface for yeah. getting your ideas out on there. They make yeah, they make yeah. MIDI wind instruments, but they're they're kind of clunky and yeah. and just the nature of 
that has to be single note. It's, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you like music, you, you hit a point where like you just, you either make it a career or you do it because you love it as a hobby. And it's like, man, it's a great stress relief from life. It's a good escape. <laughs> so it's like, that's where I'm at now with it. And, uh, you know, every once in a while I have recording sessions where somebody comes in and it kind of like re-sparks it. I have a lot of uh, hip hop clients, a lot of singers that I, that I deal with primarily only because my room isn't perfect for, for instruments, uh, instrumental tones, I guess. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little tight. I mean, I, I usually suggest to people, if you're going to get really solid drum tra tracks, spend 80 bucks an hour on those Philly studios that have badass rooms. You know, they got the, the cathedral ceilings and like, you know, get, spend the money where if you're trying to, if you're trying to sell a record, you know. Well, but, just a disclaimer for the listeners, yeah. we're in a much more, a much better setup studio right now than we <laughs> normally are yeah. in my house. <laughs> um, he's got lots more soundproofing and multiple rooms. And yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll post some pictures. Maybe. There's <laughs> isolation. There's, yeah, there's isolation. Yeah. So, so it's it's a nice medium for like a home studio. It fits my needs. So that's really what it is. I mean, I've, I've recorded bands in here. I was in a band for about five years. We got to record everything in here and it was great. And I... You know, you listen back now, it's like, oh, I could have got this drum tone and uh, I should have I taken more time on mic placement. And yeah, yeah. But that's the learning process. It's the fun part. Yeah. You go back and you hear your mistakes and you're like, oh, man, look how much I've grown. So mm -hmm. I'll do yeah. that better next time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Our first track is called Geronimo, and it's one that Stephen put together using some samples that Dave and I recorded during our session. He ended up choosing an isolated flute segment of an improvisation and then developed it into this song on which he also sang and rapped. I wanna live fast, not die slow, no swan song Gotta skip wrinkles Got all these ho-ho-hos in the back of the throat That live it like Chris Kringle I'm calling you all in with this rack Stacking these chips, bring And I flick cash on the chip fast Make it drizzle a bit as a sprinkle and singles Never mix signals I got bars for days, you know my range is long And I got that Reuben stuttered Who the body but my game is strong And I eat the beef like pizza What the hell you think I'm on? I'm the unstoppable prodigal son of Mama Celeste and Papa John That's how I get it back just a little bit further mm -hmm. like where did you get your start with piano did you start when you were real little yeah, did yeah. you just kind of so my, my mom really pushed me into piano lessons uh she's not musically inclined i don't think for the most part just although she it all, yeah and then although like in her in her later years she got into piano lessons and violin lessons so i guess she likes i, th I think she just likes doing stuff she's like one of those energy people that likes to what are we gonna busy. do today yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah, I, I inherited my parents' voice as well, so you'll hear a lot of terrible singing and <laughs> to put them on blast. But I feel like that's how it is with songwriters. It doesn't matter what you sound like as long as you can get the idea out. And 
I yeah, I mean, I luckily that yeah. there's a lot of people who who have voices that wouldn't be you know anything on their own, but yeah. they can write songs that oh yeah can move you. And, and, and if yeah. I if I have something that I am just like confident, I had a song called Friend Zone. Um, got friend zoned and I wrote a song in about two minutes. Oh, really? It was like one of those, like, you know, when the inspiration's there, you just got to run with it. I just got done seeing Jersey Boys, so that doo wop style was in my head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, falsetto stuff. I'm like hearing all this stuff, and it's like this really simple song. I'll play it on this uh, podcast to give you a little taste of it. So I recorded it all myself, all the layers, literally in like two days. Got everything done, start to finish. And I'm like, you know what? This song's too good. I might be able to sell this song. I was like, let me get some like real singers on it. So I got three local guys all recorded here. Um, uh, they we got a video done for it just yeah for like, I watched yeah, the video just, for that actually just to uh, do it the other day yeah. how did that come to how did that video come together so it was I I had an idea for like it had this doo-wop feel to it and so I was like we de- got to do like some sort of like car hop diner so nifty 50s was right up the street and like I sent him a letter or a email I'm like can we shoot here is are you cool with that so they're like, yeah outside just don't like take up the parking lot shooting <laughs> so they were cool with us shooting outside it was fine uh, there happened to be a fair uh, the Goshen fair which is huge. It's a uh, West Ocean Fire Company or something. Mm-hmm. They have a, they do a good fair there. The production um, value, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I had a buddy that shot videos. I mean, it's a network of people. When you record, like you know, every artist that comes in here usually has a team around them of like friends and you know family. That's like, hey, I do videography. I do this. So I got the people that were available. It was in the right price range of what I needed, and uh, it, the song was so good that I was like, I have to be in the song somewhere. So I like made a little rap part, and it doesn't fit the song, but it was like, you know what? This is my style. I'm always that kind of guy that like I'll just shove stuff in there because it's weird. <laughs> it's like, I, and it's still in the context of the pop music or hip hop music uh brand but it's you know I'm it's just like me you know it's, it when you hear it you'll be like oh yeah that's definitely his yeah his touch yeah <laughs> and and then, then the video yeah. too i think complements yeah. it like and you you know oh Kenneth flash was the other location that we got right. to do that was great because we uh i i don't know if we performed there or i i at least had known musicians that went in there for like an open mic night open jam nights and stuff they're really really friendly i mean these these are the venues I like hanging out with because they are the ones that take care of the local musicians. I mean, you go to kind of Flash, there's a, you know, you'll see their wall of just local people. Charlie Phillips played there. Um, I, I got to play with his band for a little bit. Um, but it's like real good musicians. And like, you know, here's here. You got to grease the hand a little bit. I bought the guy like a bottle of scotch to like play there. Yeah, it cost <laughs> yeah. me. It cost me, what, 30 bucks? Like. Yeah, that's way better than hiring, you know, renting a room, renting a room. Yeah. And he had the equipment already there. The stage lighting was there. I'm like, cool. Nice. And now, you know, just, I didn't know if I'd use them again. So I was just like, you know, here's a bottle of scotch. Let's remember my name kind of thing. Next time I call and it's, you know, you gotta grease those hands. Nice. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And, and like, so a a huge percentage of it is, is non-musical things. You know, if you're trying to build a career, you, you've got to hustle and. You know, oh, no matter what the genre crazy. you're in, it, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, do you, more than fifty percent, right? What so, do you think? So here's, I just saw in the news, uh, Kylie Jenner, Kyle, Kylie Jenner mm-hmm. is, I, I think, thank God I don't know the name, <laughs> is the first like billionaire, and she's nineteen years old or twenty or something because she's an influencer. She gets five hundred thousand dollars to post something on Instagram, so you know, do that a couple times a week, you're, the money's just rolling in. So yeah, that's nice. It's just like if you can brand yourself. I mean. Rap is a uh, hip hop in general is a brand forward thing. If you are the best rapper in the world, doesn't matter if you're ugly or. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can be ugly, but you got to have a cool hair with now, being ugly. <laughs> now, you just sort of you said 
rap and hip hop and and I'm sort of con- confused on are those terms that are able to be used interchangeably does rap refer to the lyrics and hip hop um, refers to the style of the music I used to be very like defensive like um you know it's not real hip hop and stuff but as I've gotten older I've kind of realized like look man things change I don't want to sound like an old head and be like you know I don't understand mumble rappers but I I mean I don't but I also see the the there's something there. It's not your thing. It's catchy. But it's, yeah, you right. Pop a couple drinks in you. You start, you start dancing these dumb songs, and you're like, oh, I see. You know, it's, so it's like, you know, there's a market for it. I try to look at it as a from a business perspective. It's, you know, it's not always about content. I know a lot of really good lyricists that are just still kind of underground. Watsky's one. He's like one of my favorite rappers out there right now. Yeah, that was going to be another another yeah. question that I had for you. Is like I, I'm I, I really haven't dipped my toes very much into In the rap or hip hop world. <laughs> yeah. Um and so like do you have any recommendations that like sort of easy yeah. ins or or you know people who are on the fringe and you're like, oh yeah, they've yeah. got weird stuff. Maybe so, that would be a good one for Sean yeah. to listen to. I will to. I'll start with Watsky because he kind of taps into a few things that you might like is how do you a, spell that? Uh W A T S K Y. Uh it's okay. his last name is George Watsky, but he goes by Watsky. Anyway, he uh I saw him for like the sixth time this tour and he's like he's about my age and the guy's always grinding i mean he comes up out with an album every year and his production it's like his his producer is also his keyboardist slash bassist and the guy's like on his own is a great musician and he does his own stuff so the fact that it's almost like a super group going on there um he's got different singers on and he just man he just works he did a videography or i'm sorry a video catalog of his last record which was like 18 songs long so, I mean, all that in a year to do wow. 18 videos. I mean, he, yeah, he got a star from YouTube, sure. so I know, you know, he's not doing it for enjoyment. He is a little bit, but, like, you know, there's money in there. He's not a hobby. He's got a huge, right, huge yeah. following on YouTube. So, like, you know, he's starting to pack. He started out at the uh, Trocadero balcony with, like, fitting, fitting about 100 people um, as his first, like, uh, you know, tour. And, uh, you know, he just played Union Transfer, um, TLA. Nice. Um, he was in, like... Uh, the chameleon club in lancaster i don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever yeah, been there i've been there so it's, it's kind of interesting cool i mean place. you just you see him getting bigger and bigger and it's like man what are these guys doing but anyway he's got really good musicianship uh lyrical content i like the witty funny stuff you know he's got mm-hmm. great yeah me too M- yeah. part of my the thing that turns me off is when it, it's all about just how yeah. great the person is oh there's or, nothing worse yeah yeah just, <laughs> or like how, how gangster you are it's like i mean i understand that's relatable to some people and i so right of course there's a place yeah. for that like yeah. sure express yourself like people are going to relate to you but sure. i just can't really get in on Where, that like, that becomes the genre is like how hard you are how great you right. are it's like uh so, <laughs> i feel that way too with like you know pitbulls like just straight party songs um i mean i know he doesn't it's, he's more of a collaborator um he just kind of pops on records but it's just it's how you want to approach it i mean rap versus hip-hop is there, there's people that like to just go straight old school beats and they just feel that pocket that that's what moves them and they can talk about anything and it just it sounds great uh wu-tang still does that i mean mm-hmm. they just like yeah and, and they're always gonna have a following it's just that's why i don't even try to be like yeah one's rap one's hip-hop we just kind of have fun with it man there's no rules uh music the more you love about music, the more you'll find something to love in something. So, like, you know, if you like instrumentation, if you like the beats, you know, they could just like fart on a record and it would sound great. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> and some people do. Some people, yeah, ad lib, ad lib, ad lib, yeah. 
It's like, uh, okay, but the beat's hot. Like, you know, you'll just kind of bob your head to it. And it's great. You're just kind of like, you know, it's good workout stuff. It's good dance stuff. You know, it's you'll find something to love. You know, you just got to carve out. I think that is a big part of it, isn't yeah. it? Like, it's kind of functional music. Sometimes you don't need to be analyzing it or you know i'm really very much appreciate it and but. production first and then i listen to lyrics and i just i just tell them i'm wired some people like soak in the lyrics and they write it on their facebook wall or whatever or their twitter they're like these lyrics are so meaningful i'm like i don't care what they say as long as i'm just like oh uh, uh, <laughs> it's in the pocket <laughs> yeah or there's like a, a a sound that i haven't heard before especially from a production standpoint i'm like what is that and i'll go in there and i'll try to re-record stuff and i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna copy this beat and see how close I get. And people do it on YouTube all the mm -hmm. time. So it's cool to like, you know, you're almost like a reverse engineering a beat mm -hmm. and you're kind of making your own. And in the process, you usually find a song within there that you're like, okay, it's close, but I'm going to use it for my own thing. Like I, I, I've copied melodies before, but I've, if it's a vocal melody, I'll copy it and put it to an instrument and I'll tease it into a chorus coming in that way. Somebody, the listener's like, Man, that sounds familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. It's like, yeah, because I stole it. I mean, we all just kind of interpret it and, like, you know. Well, come sue me, please. <laughs> welcome to classical music, also, yeah. because yeah, I mean, and they're all that derivatives all the yeah. time, too. Yeah, like what, one of my students was playing something yesterday, and he was like, he played like three a three note pattern. He was like, mm -hmm. oh, that sounds like just like this thing we played in our band piece. And yeah. I was like, well, yeah, there's probably yeah, yeah. There's you're, you're so many notes, especially in, in the the two keys that you know how to play in. Like, <laughs> sure. There's only so many combinations. Like, yeah, it's, whether it was intentional or not, you'll, you'll find things that oh, yeah. sound familiar. I, mean, I see, I hear a lot of uh, people nowadays with uh, just radio music, Top 40, they'll tease an old uh, hook or bridge or something that like uh, somebody, I don't even know who did it, but they like took like a Justin Timberlake line and used it that um, Halsey did it, used the Justin Timberlake line in a song. And it's something that just catches your ear a little bit. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And especially the older people that are like, oh, I like it now because it's familiar. <laughs> it's safe. It's, you know, nostalgic. And there's a touchstone so, there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Next up, we have a clip of Steven's song Friend Zone featuring Jamal Anthony, Justin Aries and Jay Mozan. After that, we'll have an example of the music of the rapper Watsky, whom Stephen mentioned a little bit ago. We have a brief clip of Watsky's song, Whoa, 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 so you can get a taste of his sound.
inside your friend zone There's nowhere else I can go I can tell you wish I wouldn't try I can read between your vague replies Stuck inside your friend zone I guess that I've always known I wonder if it's worse to say goodbye I kick it to the curb and then I'm sipping it by my ready to be freaking and doing it, keeping it moving. I'm picking apart the muscle when I'm thinking about the hustle, but I'm nice. Nice! You mentioned uh, earlier the Beatles and the Beach Boys were huge mm-hmm. influences on you too. What other like non-hip-hop influences have worked their way into... So music. we did a Phillies, my band did a Phillies anthem because I'm a big baseball nerd. And again, from a marketing standpoint, um, a Phillies song was a great way to get heard. I mean, we got on the 10 show on NBC. Um, we got in the Delaware uh, County Daily Times for it. Um, people love sports stuff. So we just latched ourselves onto it. And we were the first ones doing it that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the next year, they were in the playoffs for like five straight years. Uh, so like after we did it, you know, it like doubled the next year and then doubled again after yeah. that. And everybody was doing it. So uh, we uh, we were on our second anthem and I was watching a show on HBO and it was about Hurricane Katrina. And there was a New Orleans funeral going on. So the horns were playing and I was just like kind of dancing. To it. I was like vibing. I'm like, oh, man, I was like, here it is. So I got a guy play trumpet. And it was like this big like celebration Philly song that we did. And yeah, there was definitely a hip hop element. Like we had a rapper, uh, a guy I recorded. He's like one of my favorite rappers too. He's a local guy, Seahan, uh, if he's out there. <laughs> uh, he laid over top of it. I'm like, man, it's hip hop, but it's not. It's like definitely just like hip hop has just become pop music nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, totally they've, is they've integrated. Really I mean, you hear singers flood. that can't rap, rap on songs. And it's usually it's something cool. I mean, it's something new. You're always trying to like... You're trying to find the next thing. So it's like if you're doing something that was done two years ago, you know, too late. You can't mm-hmm. even do something that like if, if we're under a record label and you're doing something, I can't copy you because you're probably going to do it better than me because you're doing you created something. You know, anybody that copies it is not going to be as good. It'll be cool. But, hmm. you know, interesting. And and does I mean, hip hop goes through phases I yeah. think, and pop music in general goes through phases yeah. kind of faster, I think, than than the classical world. Um, does all that, like, does that stuff cycle back? Is there stuff that kind of gets accepted as yeah. like, okay, yeah, this is cool. You can just use this now. Or so, does, you know, yeah, so production big, things fall out of fashion. A big thing in the 80s for just pop music in general was like heavy reverbs. Um, they kind of fell out of fashion it, it, when you know how to use it. So, like, I'll use that for an example and also go to scratching on the turntable. They would overuse it. So in the early 90s, everything had scratching on it, late 80s, um, especially hip-hop stuff, just scratching everywhere. 
And then people got sick of it. So they kind of were like, all right, n- none of it. And then mm-hmm. they found a happy medium where it was like here and there. Uh, same thing with auto-tune. We went through this like five-year <laughs> yeah. patch of like everything was auto-tuned. I made so much money in the studio from people wanting to do auto-tune. And I'm like, you know what? I was like, this is great. This is a gold mine for me. It was just a feast. <laughs> it was the feast of Future. Um, Future's a, a rapper that kind of like, I mean, T-Pain did it, but Future... It became more of like a uh, – it got accepted in the gangster rap world, I guess. Um, okay. So it was cool to be like, you know, thug rap uh, with autotune. It's very weird. Uh, yeah, that was like the tight jean phase phase that uh, happened. Um, there was a tight jean phase There was a hip-hop? skinny jean phase in hip-hop. It's still there a little oh. bit, but uh, this was like early 2010s maybe. Um, yeah, it's weird. Thank God I missed it. That I'm still baggy me. pants and sweatpants. <laughs> and I got the uh, – the Velcro shoes. I'm still in, uh, stuck in the late 80s. But anyway, uh, Autotune was overused, and then they kind of found ways to dial it back and use it more of like more of an accent thing than a uh, than a feature. And the, yeah, the feature yeah. of the entire song. So like you know, nowadays you'll hear we were talking about this earlier. You hear like uh, a vocal sample that Ableton is a good program that does these great vocal samples. Like you can just take anything, pitch shift it up. It sounds great. If I use pitch shift on Pro Tools, it sounds terrible. Hmm. So it's just certain programs have like better features. Um, And it's also probably, you know, you can probably buy programs, but you know, I'm a broke musician, so I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Let's not get crazy here. Uh, So yeah, they, the big thing now is using vocal samples. You'll hear those little squeals and little like, just little niblets of vocals that lay over a beat that makes, you know, if you just have a guitar, bass, piano, drums, riff, it just adds so much more. It's like little textural things that float through your ears and you're, you know, it's just an interesting, yeah. Anybody that's been in a band knows how boring a song can be in three minutes. It's like, you know, songs, four chord songs get real stale real quick. Um, If you can sprinkle these little production elements in, Again, not to go back to Watsky, but he started singing a lot more on this last record. And they just do so many cool things for his voice because he is not a singer. Like live, he's just not a singer. Love the guy. Can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> so they do so many cool things to uh, really up his – up the whole project's value. And especially if you can kind of contain it within an album or something like that. You know, It's like, hey, dude, he took a risk. This is cool. You'll see on some of my songs I can't sing for shit, so I can't sing. <laughs> edit <laughs> no he's fine yeah i can't sing and um you know i kind of stay behind the walls of auto-tune here and there i have two songs that i did uh kind of in the same time frame of each other and they were just real heavy auto-tune and i like i got so used to hearing it that i'm like i can't change it now because i get used to hearing it hmm. this way i'm like everything sounds different so you know one day i might have somebody re-record it but it's one of those things I just like to purge the songs. Once they're out, once I'm done mixing, I've heard it 3,000 times, yeah. I'm done with it. Well, like I, also, you can play it as an aesthetic choice if yeah. you're leaning into it of like, this is auto Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I'm usually like, I hope somebody hears this and approaches me that they want to re-record it and like, you know, change some stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, there's always something, something new you can do. Next, we have a bit of that 2010 Phillies anthem Stephen mentioned. Here is Dynasty of Destiny by Stephen Kokus and his band Zaro Gato, featuring Amanda Joe and Seahan on vocals and Ed Carr on trumpet. Go sports! Halliday has his size. The 1-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He's got it! It's a loose 
some Last year that's what we had to witness Now it's 2010 So now it's back to business First things first There's something that I have to say Shout out to the side Young candidate Roy Halliday Hamilton knows World rotation is unstoppable Make the odds of beating us Smaller than impossible Howard is heating up Pitches we beat him up Atlanta thought they had it They can't compete with us We hit a bad slump We fought through injuries But now we bounce back We're making history Let's get Rollins rolling Put Chooch behind the plate I'll say it one more time We got the best at second base Oh yeah, yeah. We were talking about like you know the, those you know trends in pop production kind mm-hmm. of coming up. Are there any that specifically annoy you? So there was a Taylor Swift is uh, a good example of this. There's this thing that's like, let me see if I can do it on the microphone. But, <laughs> hey, over and over again, and it's like real dulled out, echoed out in the background. But I'll hear it on her stuff all the time, and it's this one like, hey, that's in the background. It's like the same sample. Uh, it's hey, the same sample people. that I know that it must be a stock thing on like on one of these programs that they just like plug in whenever they need to fill a void. You know, so in, in pop music specifically, uh, you can never let anything breathe unless it's like an intended breathe breath. Um, so let's say you have a, a vocal heavy verse and then on the fourth bar, you're just saying like, you know, now watch it fly. And then there's a little gap. Mm hmm. You'll hear a hey. You'll hear a hey or something else because they have to fill it with something. Or you'll hear like <laughs> an instrument walk in, like a bass riff. Do, 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 dum, 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 dum. So like they have to fill in every and and I enjoy that too because like I get to dissect that and I get to steal those techniques here. Mm-hmm. But that one specific hey <laughs> eats me up. I'm gonna find examples. I'm gonna plug. <laughs> I'm gonna plug it in here and you can kind of. We'll, we'll do some cool now that since I'm yeah, we can, able yeah. to do the behind the glass stuff. I'll definitely find you five or six um another one was this one was brought to my attention through like somebody did a really good video on facebook or youtube or something it was they call it the millennial whoop oh yeah and it's like whoa oh whoa oh and it's done like over and over again on like eight different songs but again it's like you know some of this people use the same songwriters uh max martin is a big songwriter he did stuff for backstreet boys britney spears and there's like elements of like the song sounding the exact same and like you know any pop song in the late 90s early 2000s he probably had his hand in and he's like he's a guy that i forget where he's from but he's got kind of like a third grade english reading level (laughs) and all this stuff is really simple and i'm like you know that's why it hits because he does these like really simple lyrics and melodies and it's like everybody can relate to it and put their own yeah yeah, spin on late 90s 2000s pop music i mean if you just wrap your head around it there's probably like six variations of chord structures that they use over and over again and it's just like what can they fill in with the instruments? You know, what kind of interesting uh, ding or whistle or pop or click can we put in there to make it like a little bit different? But if, you know, they're the easiest ones to mash up. So when I get to do DJ things, mm. I am always throwing in like 
you know, Brittany, Backstreet, Christina, um, O-Town. I'm throwing all these out there. <laughs> I forgot these. <laughs> easy, <laughs> easy stuff to just mix in and out, uh, you know. I didn't know you DJ. Very you steady. Much DJ? Uh, not much. So my mom got married two years ago, three years ago, something like that. And I was either going to buy her uh, the music for the night, like a, a wedding band mm -hmm. or a DJ, uh, or I was going to do it myself. And I was like, this is a really good excuse to buy a Mac and a DJ controller. So <laughs> I spent like three and a half grand <laughs> buying all this stuff. And I used that as an excuse to like, oh, well, I'll DJ. So I, you know, I got to do that. I got to do my stepsister's wedding. I got two band members that I might be doing their weddings coming up, but I got to do just – and I got thrown right into weddings, which was kind of interesting because – High-pressure situation. High-pressure. Yeah. yeah, you can't mess up. And I, I've had like yes, a few where I'm like, I can't get sounds out. <laughs> I've yeah. done it. There were lots of mistakes at weddings. So my, my stuff wasn't syncing. Nothing was like whatever. So mm. I was almost at the point where I like had my girlfriend's phone at the time. And I was like, look, we're going to go between my phone and your phone. And I'm going to queue up the songs and mix. And I was ready to do that. Mm -hmm. And like in the last – 10 minutes of like the cocktail hour that I had like one phone syncing. It finally just started reading. And I was like, I mean, I was like ready to die. I was just, it was too much. That's why like, I love the recording side because there's low pressure. You know, we got infinite digital space here to do as many takes as we want. Uh, the songs we did today, we did about two hours of, of raw recording and we're going to chop that up to like three or four, three minute songs. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. It's like, yeah, it's a lot of time, but oh, live sound pressure is just like, nah, man, you it's got the whole, the yeah. whole venue looking at you, the band's looking at you. No, thanks. And I got, you know, that's where the money is these days. If you're an audio engineer, you know, there might be like one or two studios in your area worth their salt, but there's a million live sound venues. There's churches that need live sound. Um, podcast that need live no, I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah live sound is like it's just not for me gotcha <laughs> and uh, like you you work with a lot of different artists and stuff you obviously you know like to collaborate what are some of the what do you think like is what draws you to kind of being on that side of the glass and and kind of supporting someone else's vision of what they're trying to so to i know you like to work yeah. on your own stuff too but yeah so i, I think for me, I've always been a, a complimenter, even in my in my work life, my career. I've never been that one that's like the main guy, or at least I don't enjoy the stresses of it. I have done it, but like, if it's up to me to like lead a session, it's tough. I I can like usually get where inside people's heads and see where they're going musically. So like for me to be um, to get some production uh, efforts on my end, it's easy because I can just be like, look, this is what I'm hearing. And then they could try it. I'm like, you know, take home this mix, take home that mix to see where it sits. And usually I'm right. But some people, you know, some people want a lot of heavy effects on, you know, some people want to sit in autotune land. Right. And I got to let them make those. It's their choice. I'm, I'm more of like a, a complimenting producer. Mm -hmm. I try to like, if you don't want to tune your drums and you come in here and want to record drums, I'm going to let them stay untuned. It's your choice. You know, it's like if it doesn't bother you, uh, some people like to record to click. Some people don't. I just kind of. I try to give them every tool that they don't have within the realm of what they think is necessary to record a record. So, yeah, and uh, not force yeah. it. Yeah, no, <laughs> there's, I mean, and there's producers like that do force it and they usually get better results because they know the right answers. But man, musicians are fragile. Like, they're, <laughs> they are just, they are like very, very fragile when it comes to like you telling them something sounds a little off. It gets in their head. You know, I've, I, uh, my ex-girlfriend was a singer and we were together for like, you know, a decade basically. And, uh, I used to just like shove songs down her throat to sing here. And I like never gave her, I was always, you're always harder on your family, your girlfriend, stuff like that. I mean, I, I am, 
I'm hard. <laughs> if, if you're my family or like a best friend, I'm holding you to a way higher standard. So like, I used to just be like, no, no, let's do this. Let's do this. And I just was not attentive to her ego and she hated so, it by the end of it. Like she yeah, just fought to record, you know? So I like kind of ruined it for her, which I, you know, that was a, a nice learning step in my growth. Uh, so right now I just try to like give people space in here. And then like, sometimes if you have the right answer and they're not budging, give them a day and send them the mix mm -hmm. later and be like, listen, I got this new idea. I want to run this by you. I listen in my car. I'm thinking it sounds better this way. The car mix is always like a nice test. And usually if they're just fresh ears, you know, they'll hear it the way you hear it. You know, they'll hear the right answer. And probably the fact that you're selective in you, you, you're, you sort of pick your battles. Yeah. That yeah. probably gives oh, you yeah. a little bit more weight yeah. when you do say, you know, uh, no, yeah. I, I think I'm right here. This, you know, yeah. take a day and listen to it. That That's you're probably doing yourself. Car mix is also a nice excuse to just revisit the same. Yeah. Like, just be and like, so here's. And it's just the easier approach to let artists do what they want because I, I'm not a high dollar an hour studio. It's like this is this is like easy, low pressure situation for them too. They're not wasting a ton of money, so it's like I can suggest things and it doesn't cost them a lot of time or money. Um, yeah, and they can. That it's it's an interesting process because it's a very subjective art. You're not there's no right answers. Uh, Lance Morissette did a album, Jagged Little Pill was her big album. I think it was. I think mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Um, there was a, a guitar plug sound of like a, a chord entering a jack and it's a like a mm -hmm. little – the engineer took it out as expected. And she's like, no, I heard it on the demo track like this. I want it back in there. <laughs> and it just like a little touch like that. Um, it's the complete wrong move, but yeah, maybe it added – Yeah, the quote unquote wrong yeah, move. It added yeah. maybe a little touch of like, hey, this is a nice raw recording. Uh, Atmosphere is a, a, a rap group. It's a, a duo of a rapper and a – beat producer that he has a handheld mic of some sort some sort of dynamic mic probably a 57 because they're the most common and he just raps over this guitar lick and it's one of the best songs he has it's called guarantees um so i i like that kind of like it just makes it a personal touch you know in the in the world of like everything's got to be quantized and and the beats have to be perfect you know i i'll move beats around but it doesn't have to be like exactly on so uh, I think that gives yeah. it character when yeah, yeah. you know you, you want you want stuff. imperfection, you want... <laughs> but you, you can't be sloppy more. either. So like it's like it's a give and take. You really are, are are again picking your battles. It's like all right, you know, drums have to be really tight, but this guitar can be a little late coming in because it gives it a little sexy on it. You know, it's just like you know this little lick can come in a little late. Just give a little funk, a little stank on it. <laughs> And it really does. I mean, it just depends on the genre. You know, jazz. If you're if you're tight on jazz, it sounds bad. It's <laughs> if you're loose on classical, it sounds bad. So it's just you know, it just depends what they're going for. The last track we created with Steven features me on beatbox flute and Dave on bass guitar. We laid down those tracks first, and then Steven worked some magic, adding keyboards and other layers to the mix. This was me trying to redeem myself for what I felt was a weak beatbox flute performance last episode. I'm a little happier with this, but I can do better. So you'll hear some more of that on an upcoming episode, I'm sure. This one's called Something Like That. <laughs> Thank you. 
I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, when I was listening over your stuff that you did mm-hmm. the tune Heroes and Villains. And yes. we were talking kind of about, we kind of, you were saying with production before, uh, if you asked me what the lyrics were that you were rapping, yeah. I cannot recall a single one. Yeah. Because I'm terrible with <laughs> lyric. Like, I just don't absorb lyrics. You know, but I can't either. The production was fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the lyrics either. A lot of stuff I write, I'm just like, I'll have to hear it back. Like, I, I don't perform live for the most part because I just don't remember my stuff. Um, but yeah, production wise, I took this uh, beat and chopped it up and I made this like just kind of a cool instrumental track and it's super busy just because Brian Wilson is is a wall of vocals all the time. Um, and I made yeah, so that two was... different tempos to it and I wasn't sure what I was going to use. So I just kind of shoved them together and just, I, I was yeah. curious because that was um, earlier for the listeners at home. We were talking about Heroes and Villains is a track off of Smile, yeah. which was like a Beach Boys album that. Brian Wilson worked on forever and kind of released in pieces and kind of sort of not. And then eventually it wasn't until like after what two thousands that you got like the full, like this is what it was supposed to kind of sort of sound like. Yeah. Uh, But I was curious with that, like what was the heroes and villains? Cause it sounded, the thing that stuck out to me was it sounded so clean Yeah. because um, I've like, I've, I'm a nerd at the level that I've listened to the Smile Session recordings, which is like, right, right. yeah, like the four albums. Wow, that's better so. than me. That's, uh, uh, it's, yeah. it's like f- three or four albums or three or four discs of just like all the studio tapes. I- I'm so glad you told me that. It. I'm going to look so, that up. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And so what I was curious was yeah. that because you got such a clean sound. I yeah. mean, I know it's probably been a while since you worked on that, but so, it sounded like they were – there was a couple of moments where I wasn't sure if you just – re-recorded some extra vocals to no, add no. in to make it sound more live. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But it sounded so vibrant for yeah. being something that was like kind of these worn down recordings from the 60s. It was... So when that, when that, I think the the chunk I used for the most part was right in the beginning, it goes do, 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 and it's just vocals. There's no like extra stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. So I didn't have to like chop drum. Like there's way to like, ways to hide certain frequencies but like drums are going to pop through bass is going to pop through but this happened to be just a vocal layer and then i think i did my own drums around it um and the fact that like any imperfections that are on there are usually hidden by my own vocals so like you know by the time again going back to producing other people you know people always want perfect takes but i'm like no no we got it you know trust me trust me let me edit uh in school listening to yourself naked and with nothing on it yeah yeah they they preach they preach to get the best raw recordings in audio school but i again like you have to like budget your time and like you know the effort it takes if you're 95 percent happy with something that's fine and i can usually fix it and i take pride in my editing like i enjoy editing i'm one of those guys that if i did video i would enjoy editing videos like that's just how i am weird i like doing that like, <laughs> tedious stuff like i'm the one that like uh, so I, I bartend i'm the one that i like clean out stuff bartending like well i'm like oh, yeah let me wipe down the shelf i just i'm like one of those guys that likes to do tedious dumb stuff because i'm just like neurotic like that so i guess that's probably why i landed in this field and enjoy it so uh, but yeah going back to that brian wilson um anytime i sample something i'll try to get like if if i'm sam i sampled erica badu i try to find her acapella uh mm-hmm. take if i can't you know if it fits in the mix and like the drums aren't popping out or anything else isn't going on it's fine but sometimes there's happy accidents sometimes you hear something and you you kind of cram it in there and the busyness works because it's in the same key or something. Sometimes it doesn't. Like I've tried to mash up songs where it's like one key changes off. So I have to like pitch shift a little bit and it just never quite clicks. So it's like, you know, I just wish I had access to every stem file. And everything. <laughs> if yeah. there was, if there was one thing that I would pay for, like, you know, we ought, people don't pay for anything. We get cracked software. I'm not admitting anything, <laughs> but I'm just saying if there's one thing I would pay for, it would be stem files 
for just the universe of music. You know, getting Marvin Gaye audio uh, oh, man. samples. Tracks. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Dre found them, I think, on a whim. Uh, Questlove is a big record collector, and that guy's like always searching for just unique, rare stems. Of, yeah, that would be cool if there was a and like database vinyl. And those out somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so so if like anybody, Dr. Dre have the money to actually pay If anybody has three billion that, hours <laughs> extra, if you have three billion hours of extra time, um, please do that. Uh, I will commission it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 cool working yourself into a hole and then digging back out. So like <laughs> yeah. if I, if I find something, I'm like, I have to sample this. I love it. I love it. But there's like no acapellas. It's like, you know, you just got to find something that makes it work. And then if you don't, you just record what you have and try to change it later. There was a, a Taco Bell commercial that featured, uh, was it Taco Bell? Oh, Taco Bell did Halsey, um, covering mad world. And it's actually an, it was a car commercial. Uh, they did, um, ain't that a kick? Dean Martin's ain't that a kick in the head? Dean Martin. See, I don't, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I had to wait and I like went on their website to try to find it. And it was like, it was, it was a famous DJ, uh, um, that, that made it and they just didn't make it public. So it's like, finally somebody had the tools to like pick it apart out of the commercial. Uh, yeah, and it's sure. like, ah, oh, I finally got the loop, but it was like six months later. So. Interesting. Yep. Huh. Cool. We like to ask, or in the past few episodes, we've liked to ask, do you have like a dream project? Do you have something on your mind that's uh, just been like never, never happened yeah. totally yet? And um, one day will. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's like one specific thing. I, I went out to LA to like learn from a guru. I would love to just like get hired. Like just, I, I mean, I don't even need a lot of money. I need enough money to live. And if I could just somehow make a living, uh, being an, uh, an assistant engineer mm -hmm. for like five years. Cause they learn everything. You know, you get, if you work under somebody that's great, you get to like learn everything about sessions, about musicians. And it sucks. It's such a grind. It's like, but it's like, as I get, every time I get older, I'm like, man, they're there for like 12 to 15 hours a day. Sometimes. I mean, uh, Brian Adams, Ryan Adams, not Brian, Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Adams, uh, would do 20 hour sessions. I mean, he had a little help along the way, but you know, he did, he did 20 hour sessions. Uh, and how can you stay focused? And the assistant long, right? is in and at, in first and out last. And it's like, mm. I, you know, I would like come back for my shift the next day. And he's like, yeah, I haven't left yet. I've just been sleeping in the storage closet, like here and there. <laughs> yeah. He just like toughs it out. And this guy, <clears throat> he was assistant engineer in electric lady studio, uh, studios in New York city, which is a big Jimi Hendrix, you know, famous studio it's been in movies it's hugely famous this guy was making ten dollars an hour and the receptionist was making 13 so like that oh. just shows you like how many people just want that I mean, job they can they pay. had eight other interns that were getting working there for free myself included that gotcha. were just waiting for somebody to mess up like one of the one of the interns <laughs> lost the file somehow uh mislabeled it lost it deleted mm -hmm. it and Everybody was very excited around me, and it was it sucked. <laughs> it sucked, man. It's a sucky industry. We just like we're waiting to bite each other's heads off, and you know it, it was way more beneficial to come home and learn this side of the studio. But then when I got or not this side, I got to do my own studio. I got yeah. to do my own projects. Yeah. But I can only do so much here. You know, it's like you know you're not you're never going to work on an SSL. Like there's things that if you get too technical with me, I went to school and I've been doing it for ten years. If you get too technical about like you know. Uh, ohms and amplitudes and stuff i'm like ah you know what let me uh look this up i don't know all you know it's just a career learning thing so mm. 
career project for me would just be like, I would just like to get my feet in the industry enough to just do it full time and like learn. Cause you, yeah. anybody that's ever made that's it a rare opportunity. Yeah. If anybody yeah. has ever made it, they got it, their job on just pure luck. It's like, Oh, I ran into uh, David Bowie and he uh, needed a, a second engineer for this project. And I just happened to be at that studio. Hmm. Like it's just, it's always a stupid random story like that. And they just get their luck. But these days, it's like these audio schools pump out kids. I mean, there's no shortage of Absolutely. audio engineers. Yeah. We've got one more piece to share with you before we wrap up. This is Steven's track, Heroes and Villains, off of his album, One Letter Shore. As we discussed earlier, this track does some really fun sampling of a cappella vocal passages from the song Heroes and Villains by the Beach Boys. Inside me, fighting for life like a zombie. There's a hero and villain residing, but which one will come to the light and define me? I'm finding the more I ignore them, the more they keep shouting and fighting. They bust down the door to the lobby, but which one of them will take over my body? The hero inside is the gentleman, authentic and totally genuine. Not once up his bone in his body, and I will probably donate a skeleton. It's just that he's that type of specimen. He's better than everyone ever, man. He's opening doors for the elderly, feeding the poor and the clothing the veterans. The hero inside is a vision, and he lives in a moment, a minute, and if he really wants it, he's getting it. A true definition of discipline. No giving in, no giving up. Once he sets his sights on it, he's winning and spending whatever the cheddar to better himself and the best reinvest of a dividend. He's so interesting, got stories galore for the children, offers his wisdom. He's at the politics with the competition, but partisan, all of them listen, and he's humble about it. Never bicep flex, no puffing his chest up, that is extra. But there's a malevolent devil who's telling me next up. There's a villain inside, he's such a prick. Type of guy who gets pleasure from punishment. Hypocrite, mention how ugly your husband is, then try to steal your away from your covenant. He's loving it, he's poking and prodding and knocking you down when you're struggling. Encourage his loss of good judgment and imbibes and partakes if you're wondering. He prays to the almighty dollar and if you ain't making it, don't even call up unless you be shaking it. Dancing at Onyx and chocolate bunnies, it's best not to bother him. He's on trial for inciting riots, we can't lock him up, he belongs in the asylum. His victims are crying while he says they're smiling, playing the tiniest violin, spiraling out of control. Look at the messy mate, vigilante, rebellious renegade. To his credit, I'll admit he's not afraid, got a big set of balls and a vertebrae. He's a bird of prey, he'll ruin your entourage like Sasha Gray. No more encompass or gravitas, but don't knock the socks off Dr. J. He's a force to be reckoned with, sorta. After a six pack of Breckenridge Porter, treat you to tacos on south of the border, then help you develop an eating disorder. There's two people living inside me. There's a hero and villain, would I be? Come one or the other, a fighter or lover, so then I'll just laugh at the irony.
Thank you so much for listening to Sean and Dave Make Music. If you like what you heard today, please click the link to the Sketch Studio Bandcamp page and get yourself a bunch of free music. And as always, if you like our show, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends and colleagues if you think they might be into what we do. It's not something we just say at the end of the episodes. It would really help us out. If you've heard me say this 20 times, go ahead, take five minutes, click that that iTunes link, and leave us a review, especially if you like us. If it's a terrible review, it's probably not worth leaving, but if you like us, go ahead. Uh, If you have any questions or comments or would like to submit a prompt for us to improvise off of, please send us an email at seananddavemakemusic at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash seananddavemakemusic. Thanks. See you next month. (laughs) 